This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me. Read all of our stories over at the MichiganInsider.com, Michigan.247sports.com. This episode will be pre- recapping the Michigan football team's 42-27 to win over Ohio State. Really hard to overstate the value of this win. Uh, it's their first win over Ohio State since 2011. It gives them their first Big Ten division title, period. They can snap either against Wisconsin or Iowa while we are recording. That game is still actually going on. Uh, they can snap a 7 or 14. Yeah, 17-year drought. Wow, crazy to think about that. Since Michigan's last Big Ten title, they can, with a win next week, they can clinch or effectively clinch a spot in the college football playoff. And and I think, Steve, we'll both talk about this. Uh, really a, a special moment in Michigan football history with this victory. Not not just because of the droughts and and how long it had been, but also the way Michigan won, I mean, you, I, I don't know what it looks like on TV, but I was there. I've been at almost all but one of the night games since they started doing them a decade ago. I have been to, uh, you know, other rivalry games, other big games, other Michigan, Ohio state games. This blew those other ones out of the water. This was a special, the word I used in my game story, euphoric energy from the crowd, from the players, I could go on and on just about the atmosphere. I thought Michigan actually did a lot of really smart things with this game from a from an administration standpoint with the pom-poms, having a DJ in at the front of the student section the whole game. I I I was questionable uh, questioning of it, but but it turned out to be uh definitely the right call. But then also on the field. You know, there's there's in in today's college football, everyone's trying to imitate the best. And you're seeing more and more teams you know, kind of ditch the old school game planning, focus on passing games, maybe not prioritize defense as much, you know, focus on making sure they have every quarterback whisperer and passing game guru they can find. Michigan with a very vintage Harbaugh victory and a vintage Michigan victory, rushing for 297 yards, allowing just 64 rushing yards on the ground on 30 carries. Sacks played a role in that, but also, they they eventually stopped the run in the second half. I thought the offensive line played its best game in in, in maybe a generation. Uh, but but you know you know speaking to this season, definitely their best game of the year. Bulldozing Ohio State's defensive line, kind of kind of exposing them. We we hinted that that could be possible in our in our preview episode, but um, you know showing up and and just delivering Hassan Haskins five touchdowns. Aiden Hutchinson, we talked about your best players have to be your best players. Well, he he was. He had three sacks. That's the single-season sacks record. Michigan's defense overall, you know, you could tell much of the game. They they 
they knew Ohio State was capable of of coming back or storming back or or expanding its lead when they briefly led. You could tell Michigan was aware of what Ohio State was capable of, and and they really took it snap by snap, play by play, limiting the big plays. You know, letting maybe Ohio State get a completion here and there, but not not letting that snowball, not letting the, the a big play turn into a, a huge play. Just really tough, hard-nosed football. It was in the snow. I think I was curious when I saw that it was going to snow if that would help Michigan, who maybe is is more Midwest recruiting, maybe a little bit more hard-nosed, maybe a little bit more of a of a run game team, or would it help Ohio State, who's maybe you know we we were we could not have said any more positive things about Ohio State's offensive line on Thursday, and so so and, and plus Travion Henderson. So I was curious how it looked, but Michigan, they, they looked like that. They had the mental edge from the jump with that snow. I mean, Ohio state looked rattled, you know, the crowd helps. I I do think this was a game where Michigan felt a home field advantage, but at the same time, they, they played a physical dominant football game and beat the number two team in the country and, and, and not just beat them, but like really beat them. Capital B beat them. So lots to unpack here. Uh, and obviously now that they, they are going to play next week. So we'll have, we'll preview what's ahead. There will be a recruiting episode talking about some of the reactions coming from this weekend, but some of those reactions are still ongoing since recruits are still on campus. But at the same time, uh, Steve, you and I can, can break down this game. I kind of gave the the overview, some of the surface stuff, as I said, hard to overstate really every Every single thing that I said needed to happen for Michigan to win did. I did a story, six things that, that have to happen for, for Michigan to pull off this upset. Um, they showed up in the second half. They won the running battle. They exposed Ohio State's run defense. You know, they, they held their own enough in the passing game. They brought pressure to Stroud. Ohio State buckled a little bit, and Michigan didn't, leading to, to a, a pretty historic victory. Steve, what's what's sitting on your mind right now as, as maybe your lasting thought on this game? I mean, I feel like more people should listen to our podcast, I guess, might be the first thing that I, I think about. You know, I think everybody was always so focused on C.J. Stroud, Ohio State's wide receivers, but I think it's it's this game is almost always won at the line of scrimmage. And Michigan dominated on both sides of the ball. It was the first time in a long time, too. I think that we could go back and look at and say that. Yes. So right? they had been outgained by at least 88 yards, they being Michigan. Michigan had been outgained on the ground by at least 88 yards in all eight of its last of its losses to Ohio State. And the average rushing yard difference was 159.0. Right. So I remember it was like might have been midway through the fourth quarter or something. I think it was like they show they kept showing the graph. I think it was like 221 to 65. And you this was like this is the first time these two teams have played in a long time where you're watching the game thinking Michigan's gonna win this game unless Ohio State catches a major break. I mean, even even the scores, you know, Garrett Wilson had to make a pro catch. That was unbelievable. Right. I mean, the really, I mean, I mean, let's, let's like look back for a second. Almost every explosive play that Ohio state made today was a, an NFL level effort 
at and at some level, right? I mean, Smith and Jigba with a couple amazing catches. Yep. The Wilson touchdown. You know, it was like it was really one of those games. And again, I understand you're watching the game thinking, here we go. There were a couple here we go again type moments. You know, no review on the second Smith and Jigba catch after when Henderson score or Hutchinson missing the deflection by like a, a millimeter on that Henderson touchdown. You think, here we go again. But really, I mean, for the majority of the game, it really felt like Michigan was in control. Uh, again, I think at this point, Michigan fans will take any win over Ohio State. But I, I gotta, I gotta think the way they won had to have been just extra satisfying for both the staff, the program, but just the fans too. Uh, you look at Hassan Haskins, the last touchdown. I mean, the linebackers. I don't even think they really even like attempted. Just about if you watch the replay. Uh, they barely broke off the ball when when the when the ball was snapped. I mean, Michigan completely beat them up up front, and really, again, just I, I the way I was kind of thinking, you know, you look at Jim Harbaugh his coaching career. This this was, and again, Michigan ranked already ranked in the top five, so they're no slouch. Really looked like the Stanford wins over USC back in the day uh, when USC had all the talent in the world a lower ranked, you know, more just, just physical Stanford team up front dominated and beat some of those Pete Carroll USC teams kind of have always waited for a Harbaugh Michigan team to really do that in a big, big game. And I think today really felt a lot like that, you know, McNamara game manager, JJ McCarthy made a great throw, like a lot of pieces clicking, but really it was up front on both sides of the ball. Michigan won. And, and, you know, again, like I said, we've been, I've been saying that I I felt like this is what we've been saying for whenever we first started talking about this game, it's, it's always going to be one up front and Ohio state's offensive line has been excellent all season long, you know, petite frere pro. I mean, they got probably, I mean, all five of those guys might go pro at some point, you know, and we were waiting for Michigan's interior Donovan Jeter makes a huge play at a key point in the game. Uh, you know, Michigan really stepped up up front. And like the other thing you mentioned that was huge too is uh, your best players showing up. Aiden Hutchinson, dominant. Hassan Haskins. Again, you're talking about that this will almost Hutchinson's performance may at some point get buried uh, <laughs> with what Hassan Haskins did today. You know, and that's, that's you know, it was a thing where it's like, whoever would lead or whoever stood out in a big Michigan win over Ohio state is the kind of guy that's going to be a statue, not maybe not literally, but like that level of reverence. And I think Hassan Haskins probably entered that Tim Biakabatuka type thing, you know, where like yeah. people are always going to remember uh, what he did out there today. And, and just, again, not just the statistics, but just how he did it and, and what happened. So game was one up front on both sides. And that's, that's what you expected. I mean, that's, that's what this game always seems to come down to. And uh, it was Michigan's day today, finally for them. Yeah. Hassan Haskins, 28 carries, 169 yards, five touchdowns tied a school record for a single game. He now has 18 touchdowns on the season. He has, we, you know, we've talked on this podcast about his ability to generate first downs. I believe he had 14 today. He now has a hundred. If you count his touchdowns, on the season, which is, which is just insane. Uh, and, and over 1200 yards on the season, he's still got, well, now he's got 
at least two games left. And there actually is some truth to the at least part too. Yeah, I, I, hard hard to hard to say something new about Haskins. I mean, the fact that he has just done basically the same thing every single week. Really an incredible season for him. Almost boggles the mind how how durable, reliable. Didn't have a once again did not have a negative rush play today. Uh he he only has 3 all season. I mean, that is just insane for someone who has as many carries as he does. And so, yeah, I, I, you, statue. I don't think they'll build a statue for him. But, but at the same time, he. he I wouldn't. Be... I wouldn't totally write it off, though. You got to remember, dude. <laughs> I mean, it's like even even 2011, Ohio State was six and seven. I mean, this is, you know, what was it? Oh, three before that. I mean, I'm yeah. not saying I'm not saying they literally would, but you know, you understand what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. No, I was I was just getting to that. Like, there's there's got to be some way. I mean, one, he'll be remembered among fans until. I mean, for generations, but, but also, yeah, you have to wonder if, if, you know, do they name an award, like a toughness award after him? Do they, do they give him a, a placard for this season somewhere in, in Schembechler Hall or the Towsley Museum? Because, you know, Jim Harbaugh said it two weeks ago, said he doesn't, he doesn't have the ability just to do so, but he wants to put the team on his back and, 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 and for the offense, he, he did. I mean, I, I thought Kate McNamara actually had a very nice game. I thought his decision-making, well, he was, he was 18 for 19 on his decision-making, right? You know, there was that one interception, probably another one of those, as you said, Michigan fans were probably thinking, here we go again, type moments, you know, squandering an opportunity to score, to score a touchdown. I think, um, you know, fans were like, oh, that's going to cost us later, it, it, which is probably a natural reaction given the way Ohio state has played in this rivalry lately, but to his credit, I thought he responded really nicely. I thought his 37 yard pass to Cornelius Johnston was maybe the best throw he's had all season. I mean, it was right on the money caught, you know, Cornelius Johnson. I don't know if it was technically in stride, but it was in a spot where Ohio state couldn't get to it. And only Johnson could. And, and yeah, I thought, you know, Caden McNamara, you mentioned JJ McCarthy, I thought they did exactly what they had to do today. You know, they were they were getting enough push up front. I think you could almost argue they should have run the ball even more with the push they were getting because you know Blake Corum, six carries, eighty seven yards. He was getting his yardage. I mean, it seemed like seemed like everyone was moving forward for Michigan's run game and and you know the defensive side of the ball. Steve, I, I I came away really impressed, about as impressed as you possibly could be with how a pass defense plays against someone who throws for 394 yards. Like, I don't know if that's going to make sense to listeners, but I, I thought Michigan did a really nice job limiting the big pass plays by based on the box score. Just one pass play, well, there was one that was 26, one that was 39, nothing else over 25 yards. And a, a thought that I had during the game, and I, I don't think I ever actually tweeted it out because I, I wasn't sure because I knew Ohio State could could strike at any moment. But there's a big difference between getting burned and getting beat. I think Michigan got beat a few times today. I don't think it got burned that many times today. Maybe two or three times. Uh, you know, if if Ohio State had a quote-unquote big passing play, it was 
just it was open. That's what it was. It was it was the right matchup. You know, I I know the linebackers and defensive linemen got caught, you know, cover, covering slot receivers a couple times. You know, it was it was it was a mismatch or it was just a very good play, as you noted. Michigan does not have the speed to keep up with Ohio State's receivers. Very I don't know if, how many teams in the country do. I mean, you look at the way Alabama plays in some of these big time games, they're often high scoring. Uh, you know, maybe maybe Georgia does. That might be the one team that that legitimately has the the receivers or the defenders to keep up with a receiving core like Ohio State's. But I, I thought Michigan, and credit to Mike McDonald, did a really nice job of of not getting burned. You can give up a first down, you can give up a few, but if that doesn't deter you, if that doesn't prove costly, if it doesn't result in a you know a 50 yard touchdown that sucks the life out of the building like many plays did in 2019 then I think you just have to accept that you know that's that's you doing your job because CJ Stroud threw for 394 yards they only scored 27 points I think that's really impressive I don't know I, I I'd have to look it up I think that's the fewest points Ohio State has scored all season Certainly the fewest they've scored against Ohio State under Jim Harbaugh, I believe. Now 2016, they had dumped two overtimes to get to to get to their final score. But uh really, really impressive performance. I actually thought, you know, some players that have been put through the ringer a little bit, even this season when when the team was doing well, I thought Vincent Gray had a really nice game. I don't I don't know what the numbers say, but but I thought he had a nice game. I thought Mike Morris had a nice game. I thought Brad Hawkins, Josh Ross, two, uh, I think I don't think Hawkins is a captain, but two senior leaders who maybe have been overlooked over the years really stepped up and, and, and made a lot of plays. And, and I thought that the tackling in the run game was really good. Early on, they were getting beat on the ground. But I think Michigan, if there was one thought I had about their, their, their ability to stop Ohio State's very good run game was – I. I think the holes were sometimes there, but I think the tackling was was frequently there. I, I thought that was much improved, you know, after a, 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 I guess we can call it bad performance against Kenneth Walker. Now, Walker's extremely good, but I thought the tackling was improved on the run defense. Steve, anything else stand out to you about the defensive performance? You know, the, the, the big story, of course, is the sacks, uh, but... Even though the the total yardage was there, I I thought I thought Michigan had a really impressive defensive performance in terms of making Ohio State work for everything. Their drives took longer. They had to settle for field goals twice. twice I think it was just twice. Um, and and really, the Buckeyes couldn't work quickly like they wanted to, or like what they've had what they've done all season. So I thought, yeah, so. I mean, yeah, Vincent Gray, for sure, right? Stepped up in a big way. Gave up the touchdown pass, but, like, the coverage was perfect on that play. Again, a pro-level play by Garrett Wilson, who will be probably drafted in the first round of the NFL draft in April. Uh, I mean, pick your pick your poison here. I mean, there was a lot of guys that stepped up. You know, I thought Michigan really, like I said, Donovan Jeter, made a couple big plays. You said, like, I thought what, what was interesting about this game is it, it really was a um, 
how do you, I don't try to think of the right way to describe this, a reverse mirror of the Michigan State game. You know, it was, it was field goals versus touchdowns, except Michigan was the one putting it in the end zone. Michigan defense not, you know, holding Ohio State to a couple key field goals in that game that I thought really may have ended up being the difference. And again, shut down Travion Henderson. But like you said, that's what, like what, for almost, yeah, four, almost 400 yards passing for C.J. Stroud. The other, there's two things I want, I want to look at when we rewatch this game. Did they do that too high safety thing? Everyone's been talking about Pat Mahomes in the NFL. You know, they have to adjust because teams are playing too high safety against them. Did Michigan do something similar here? And then also the other thing I thought was interesting and, and something I thought I'd see more, Ohio State did not really attack the seam very much in the passing game, whether it be with Ruckert or Henderson somehow, like they, they really kept everything to the edge. And that's another, like, I think I wrote before uh, post Maryland, you know, one of my pre things right off the get go was that Michigan has played the edge extremely well this year. Uh, I feel like it's, it's had to have been a point of emphasis for them, but Ohio state loves to try to get their guys one-on-one. And for the most part, Michigan did a really good job. And even if the first guy, I mean, there were a couple plays, I think Dax Hill got left on an Island with Wilson on one play, trying to attack at an angle. I mean, you're not going to catch him or you're not going to, uh, you're not going to make that one and one, one-on-one an angle like that. But that second guy was there to wrap up, you know, so that's how you get almost 400 yards passing, but don't really, uh, you know, it, it's not a dominating passing performance. Right. So I feel like they beat Michigan or Michigan beat Ohio State the way that we if, if we said that if they thought they would, if they were going to win this game that that's how it would go. You shut down Henderson because if Ohio State gets the running game going, it opens every el- everything else up for them. Uh, they were able to basically limit them to one on one balls with their stud receivers or uh, down the field or getting them balls in the the short game and trying to let them make plays. And Michigan tackled well enough to prevent them from making, you know, really any big plays off of missed tackles, you know, cause that's what you, again, between Wilson, uh, Smith and Jigba and Olave, more the more Smith and Jigba and Wilson, Olave is just really a, a really good route runner possession receiver type guy. The other two, I feel like are guys who can, I mean, I think Wilson's the best of the three, but all of them, uh, those two in particular though, can beat you on one-on-one type situations in, in the short term and break it for a long play, uh, they weren't able to do that. So, again, that's why I said I'd really like on rewatch, we'll see what they did schematically. Did they maybe, yeah, did they maybe umbrella a, a little bit with two safeties deep and then just kind of, you know, basically put the onus on your defenders to, hey, make the tackle. You know, Rod Moore made a couple great tackles. I mean, you want to talk about a kid who's got a bright future now. That's a, I mean – couple huge shoestring tackles from Rod Moore, true freshman. Open of, field more, man. He's yes, so yes, good in the open field. Yes. And a true freshman from Ohio, Ohio state didn't give him a look. Just, just reeks of a kid who's going to be an all big 10, all American type guy at some point, just based that experience and that positive experience can just go such a long ways, you know, and he did it again today. Um, but the safeties played their – I thought maybe the safeties might have played their best game of the season this year. Have to rewatch, but it did. It felt like, yeah, Ohio State 
athletically, they're going to be able, they can dink and dunk is like the worst that Ohio state can do because they just have athletes, but Michigan made, they tackled incredibly well, much better than they did against Michigan state. Uh, both, like I said, on the edge against the receivers, but with Henderson too. So yeah, you know, team effort. And, and like I said, just, I feel like, I don't know. I feel like this game played out a lot of the ways I thought that we thought it would. And it was just a matter of, would Michigan could Michigan overcome, you know, what Ohio, what we thought Ohio state could do, even if Michigan played a good game defensively uh, and they were able to. Yeah. I, I, I can't say I predicted this game. I did actually predict 42 to 27, but I, I predicted a different team to score 42, but I do think a lot of the things you and I both said, if Michigan wins, this probably happens. This probably happens. This, I mean, uh, Credit to Michigan as well. This is maybe something we'll unpack a little bit after this this quick commercial break. But I, I I thought, you know, a lot of teams are trying to be Ohio State, it, not just in the Big Ten, but in the country in general. A lot of teams are trying to 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 basically imitate the formula. I know some of it's personnel driven. You know, you got to play, you got to emphasize who your best players are. But but I give Michigan a lot of credit. And I'll give them a lot of credit in just a moment of, in period period for sticking with this plan. But, you know, they they have modernized the offense, but they also haven't lost track of what, what they're comfortable with. I mean, these offensive linemen, you know, you watch them around the facilities. They look like run-blocking offensive linemen. They don't look like, you know, the athletic, uh, long-limbed, pass-protecting guys. No, they're, they're mashers. They're maulers. And it hasn't always shown this season. But it has shown in several of Michigan's biggest games, and it certainly showed today. You look at their running backs, I mean, they're, they're, it, there's not a team in the country that can go one, two, three like this with running backs. And, and you know, we kind of felt that way before the season, but, but now we're sure. I mean, this is, a, this is a stacked running back room. And, you know, they have tight ends who love blocking. They have extra offensive linemen come in on plays. And, and, and it works. I was amazed. I, I, you know, I, I quipped about it in the first quarter, and by the third quarter, I was, I was genuinely concerned. Does Ohio State not know what Michigan does on third and short? And, and the answer is they probably did know, but they could not stop Michigan on third and short at all. In the first drive, they had three third and short runs. Two of them broke for double-digit yards, and, and they just kept doing it. You know, second and three, third and three. I mean, it was just... It's just bullying football, and that's not a style of football a lot of teams play right now. You know, there's certainly a lot of teams with good run games, including Ohio State, but in terms of what your identity is, how how you want to play, I give Michigan a lot of credit for, especially after last offseason, not trying to scrap it and, and, you know, go for broke with what other teams are doing, but instead doing what, what makes the most sense for them and what they're most comfortable with. We're going to hit a quick break on the other side. Some topics we will discuss. Aiden Hutchinson's Heisman candidacy. Jim Harbaugh's, I guess, job this season, along with taking a peek ahead at uh, what might be in store for the Wolverines. As Jim Harbaugh said, this he feels like this is just the beginning for Michigan. We're going to take a quick break. You're listening to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. 
Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right, welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So let's let's start with the just beginning comments. I, I think, um, you know, they, they are going to play in the Big Ten Championship game next week. It's I haven't checked the score on Iowa, Wisconsin, but um, it's one of those two teams. They're actually Look, looks like I look like it might be Iowa. I think Minnesota's okay. up by ten in that game. So okay, All right. and I know it's in the fourth quarter, so uh, won't be a rematch if if that is the case. But but they are similarly branded teams, and that they that they have great defenses. Uh, don't think either quarterback is making anyone shake in their boots. But they do have good offensive lines. They can run the football. And, and Iowa is is tricky in a different way than Wisconsin. I think their defense is a little bit more vulnerable. But they love getting turnovers. They love special teams plays uh, that lead to touchdowns. I mean, they, they're kind of – they're like an upset special team walking. And, and this year they're 10-2, and two, so they haven't, they haven't been upsets. But, um, you know, they, they're going to play in the Big Ten Championship game. If they win – I think that there's almost a 100% chance they'll make the college football playoff. Uh, my thought would be tentatively two or three seed facing Cincinnati, probably in the Cotton Bowl. Uh, but we can talk about the matchups later. Steve, you have watched a lot of college football. I have watched a lot of college football. After today's game, and, and maybe you can, if there's other games to reference, feel free. What is, I mean, this team can win a national title. Am, am I wrong for saying that? I mean, this is I think that's absolutely on the table after this game. I don't think it was something that anyone was really thinking about before this game because it just felt like the 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 triumvirate of of Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State looked a little untouchable. I think right now it's really hard to argue that that Michigan. I mean, they might be number two in the college football playoff rankings. I know Cincinnati's having a fantastic season. Uh, but my oh my, I mean, this is a team that that as good as any in the country uh, as far as chances of winning a national title. What are your thoughts there? So the way again, the way they won, best case scenario, right? Probably bumps them to two. I think you. I mean, I mean, if you're you're Michigan, you want to stay in that two three because you'll probably get Cincinnati. I think Auburn's about to blow it against Alabama. Um, we'll see what happens in the SEC title game, but no, I mean, absolutely. If there was a year to do it, you know, I think Georgia looks really, Georgia's defense has been amazing, but 
you know, if there was a year for Michigan to come in and do something like, I mean, it's, it's actually, it's kind of crazy that we're even discussing Michigan in, the nat- in a legit national championship picture here, but we're, we're there. Uh, the way they won the line of scrimmage today and defensively the scheme, I mean, everything, I mean, Michigan, they're definitely, a, they're obviously a contender. They're going to be a, regardless, I don't know if it doesn't look like Wisconsin's going to come back. I don't have the game on in front of me right now, but either way, I, I suspect they will be a significant favorite in next week's game in Indianapolis. But uh, yeah, no, I mean, turnover-ish free, you know, McNamara with the interception, but you know, they play mostly mistake-free. I mean, it, it, this really most Harbaugh team, right, that he's had, I think we can officially yep. cement that now based on their performance today. I think we waited for today. And, again, when we say Harbaugh team, that's, this just feels like the teams he built at Stanford, uh, the teams Ready, he Ready, tough, grind it out. Yes. Do not give a bleep about how hard it is, how cold it is, how difficult it is. And mistake and, and, free. and they want to go to practice and work. That is the one thing. I cannot emphasize that enough. When Harbaugh talks about this team, every once in a while he'll drop in, and they don't have to be talked into it. You know, he'll drop in one of those lines. He's not, he did not do that the other years. You want to talk about where this team is different? That is different. He did not used to say that. He's got a team that likes going to work and, and doesn't have to be talked into working as hard. Because that's, that's how he was as a player. Right. He was a – even though he's a quarterback and even though he, you know, being 6'3", helps and everything – he was a – if he could have been a fullback, he would have been a fullback. By the way, it is official. Michigan will play Iowa for the Big Ten Championship. Wisconsin lost to Minnesota, which – You'll feel like Iowa – Better matchup for Michigan than Wisconsin. I feel like yeah, a Bra- Braylon yeah, yeah. Allen just I, – I, I'm actually pretty surprised that Wisconsin did not beat Minnesota, honestly. Well, um, that, that oh, Wisconsin's defense had looked really right. good lately. Right. Yeah, Iowa. The only, my only thing is, I think that they they have a little bit of that Michigan State in them. Sure, they'll just find a way to to to. And this isn't a knock on either program. I think they're both very good, but they'll find a way to pull a rabbit out of their hat a little bit in, in games where perhaps you thought the other team was the better football team on the field. Right. So, yeah, I mean, Indianapolis. You know, you can squash that narrative now too. By the way. Uh, can squash the third place in the Big Ten East stuff. You know, it's like a <laughs> lot for Michigan fans to be able to tell people to shut up about now. You know, but yeah, I think Michigan, probably Iowa, better matchup. But yeah, that's why I said, like, I, you know, my biggest thing was while watching this game, as I said, was really just this looked like it looked like what we thought a Michigan team would look like under Jim Harbaugh. And that's not to say that some of these other teams in the past haven't been really good teams. You know, we talk about 16 could argue that game got Michigan, you know, you know, just an inch away from winning that game, going to the playoff. Uh, but I guess it's one that you watch a game, whether you're in the stands or, or in the press box or, or at home. And uh, it feels like you, you talk about like the juju of the game, you know, like just that, that vibe, the feel, and it just, this game just felt like Michigan was in control. And uh, I think again, credit, major credit to the players, but also I think this was really a, a big coaching win too. Yes, And then I think that starts from the top down. And like you said, and you've been on this all year is that Harbaugh, I think really 
not even from the coaching staff standpoint, but also maybe just some of the turnover in the locker room was a thing that we talked about and really just feels like, and again, it's easy to look, it's easy to sit here now and say it, it, it was the right move or these, these moves made a difference, right. but it, it felt like, but it felt like it just felt like Michigan had a better shot. I mean, you're talking about, they are a, they're blowing a 16 they They blew a 16 point lead away from being undefeated right now. And probably, well, I mean, maybe Georgia would still be the number one team in the country, but those two teams would be far and away number one and number yeah, two. Yeah, it wouldn't, it right wouldn't be Georgia right? in the field. It would be Georgia, Michigan. Right. And so, um, you know, yeah, it just, it is, I think this is, this, this, this from the top down looked like a game that Michigan, you know, sees they had control from the, from the get go. You look at, they score on the first drive. And I think I, I'm sure a lot of people, you know, scripted drive felt a lot like uh, I always remember. It feels like Michigan state would always score a, a touchdown on the first drive, take the lead. It felt like a scripted thing, but I think, it was I think after Michigan the, did in 2019. A couple, couple times against well. Ohio state, right? Same thing. So you're watching the game. You think, okay, yep. Scripted drive score. Let's see how they react. But you get like midway through the second quarter and it just, it, Michigan, it just looked like Michigan was the better team. Ohio State was having to make big-time plays just to keep the chains moving, which they're going to make because they have the guys they have. But, yeah, no, I mean, this is, this is uh, yeah, coming-of-age type thing, you know, for the staff. And, and really, uh, Mike McDonald deserves a ton of credit. I think uh, Sean Nua, really, you talk about a guy that was maligned last year. And you see Mozzie Smith played really well again. You talk about you talk about a guy who's probably going to be all conference preseason next year, Mozzie Smith. Might be a situation where Michigan's interior will create for their exterior next year because they have two interior guys now, vets who are playing their best football of their career. Uh, you know, so credit to Sean Nua, Steve Klinkscale also. You know, I mean the defensive staff as a whole. Uh, you kind of mix it up, bring in a lot of different guys from a lot of different backgrounds, a lot of different areas, uh, really brought it together quick. And, and again, like, like the other thing too, is like the tempo stuff, right? Like it just, it felt like when Ohio state would move the ball, it was because more, it was more off of Michigan, not doing things than it was Ohio state. It was like, they, they capitalized on that tempo stuff again, you know, and you're like, okay, well, they're going to like, you got to stop that. You got to have guys in and set, you know, but, but when that, when they actually, it felt like Michigan adjusted in the second half. So just a, a big win from the top down for sure. Yeah. I think, I, I think the question we, we both went in different directions. I think the question was, can, can Michigan win the whole thing? And, and I, I'd have to watch a little bit more of Georgia. That's several steps away from, from today, but you look at the advanced numbers. This is, this is, actually going to pivot into to the next thing I want to talk about. Michigan was supposed to be very much in this game. All the advanced numbers, I think, projected Ohio State to win by like two or three points today. Michigan was the top five team in so many different, you know, there, there's all, all these different formulas. It probably isn't worth our time to discuss what they all mean or what they all are, but uh you know, they were number three in pro football focuses grading. They were number four, number five in football power index. They were number four in 
SP plus rankings. They were, I mean, the Sagarin ratings, I think there were four or five as well. You know, this was supposed to be a team. It's, it's so, it's so funny to me that, that like Michigan was objectively speaking a playoff caliber team, but I don't think, and I'm not speaking for every Michigan fan, but I don't think many Michigan fans were even thinking about the playoffs had before today, just because Ohio state not only has, was better in all of those rankings, but they had really seemed to have Michigan's number. And it's, it's crazy. The psychological um, component of that, you know, we were joke, joking before the, before we hit record that like ne- next year, when we write a spring practice article, the first response or first comment isn't going to be enough talk, just beat Ohio state. You know, it's, it, it's going to be something different. I don't even know what they're going to say. They might just be excited. They might not be critical. And so, um, you know, that's, that's just a small reporter change that will come from this, but Steve, how would you encapsulate the significance of this win? And, and you don't have to know all the answers for on the recruiting side for now. I imagine recruiting will pick up, but you know, this was something I was saying a moment ago or before, I guess we hit record that. I think this win is going to let Michigan football fans believe again. Even if they lose next week in the Big Ten championship game, even if they get waxed in the playoffs, not predicting either of those things to happen necessarily, but you know it, it is a possibility. I think beating Ohio State, and this is a credit to Ohio State, I think is going to allow Michigan fans to go into seasons with kind of the unbridled expectations. I think a lot of, you know, even the most optimistic fans this season, I think understood that beating Ohio state was going to be a different kind of challenge. Well, now it's a challenge that, that Michigan players have done. It's a challenge that Michigan's coaches have done and, and we'll see, you know, what Ohio state looks like next year, but they, they haven't had to deal with a real like genuine bummer season since 2011. And so I think, I think to me, I think the biggest change is that I think Michigan fans, you know, it's been 22 years since they finished the season in the top five. It's been um, 17 years since they won the big 10 title. It's, you know, they, they won in 2011. Uh, I don't know if fans were really holding on to that one. Cause, cause I think it's been 18 years since the rivalry was consistently perceived as even. I think even Michigan fans, whether they'll admit it or not, understand that the 2011 win was kind of an exception. Uh, now, I mean, the, the way Michigan won today, I don't think anyone's going into next year saying Michigan has no shot. They'll lose by 20 to Ohio State. Maybe Ohio State fans would say that, but I, I don't think Michigan fans would say that. And frankly, I don't think that the national media will necessarily say that either. I, I expect Michigan with all the talent they're, they're expected to return. We don't know with the COVID year, with the transfer portal, with the NFL draft decisions, I could be wrong here, but I, I, I kind of expect Michigan to return around three fourths of its too deep. Please don't hold me to that. If that isn't true, but just kind of taking my peek on the, on the roster, they're, they're going to have, I think the passing game will pick up where it left off the run game. If Haskins leaves, but Corum and Edwards come back, I think they'll be pretty good. I think the offensive line has a chance to be good. You know, defensive end will be one area and safety. Those will be two areas where they're going to have to 
produce more players, but they, but you've already seen a couple of those players step up and linebacker, cornerback, two other areas where, where it seems like they're on the rise. So I expect them to be a top five preseason, top five team next year, regardless of what happens. And I think unlike maybe some other past seasons, maybe for the first time since 2016, but really the first time since 2004, 2006, I think Michigan fans can go into next season and, and really believe that a 12-0 and season, a Big Ten title, is possible. I mean, I'm sure it's always felt a little possible, but I don't know if that makes sense to, to fans, but I think there was such a like monkey on the back, and, and you know, Michigan fans, all of their excitement was tempered just a little bit because Ohio State was looming at the end. And to Michigan's credit, they pulled it off and pulled it off in such a convincing way that I don't think that there will be that you mentioned the, the juju of a game but I don't think there'll be that juju of the season we were like ah but Ohio State's at the end you know we'll see you know that, that you, no one no one's going to have that sentiment for a little bit while for a little while Steve your thoughts on the significance of this win and, and what it means long term yeah I mean I think so, so the biggest thing for me is I think it's the type of uh, how do you say it the for the younger guys on the team, and I, I think that's where the like the euphoria you see the post game, and that was one of the other things about this game. It it the the explosion after really felt like you know a, it, it it like a, it had been forever since Michigan had had pulled this off right. You know, it wasn't a uh, – I think the the post-game atmosphere lived up to the in-game atmosphere. And I think that's one of those things uh, for some of the younger guys, whether they've had gotten experience, whether they had experience on the field today or didn't, that's one of those residual effects that uh, what what can we do to, to feel like that again? And Michigan's recruited a lot of talented guys, right? Uh, actually, the funny thing, you know, 2020, 2021, incredibly talented recruiting classes. So it's not as if. That are like, already paying dividends. Yes. Not, right? not a lot of busts in those classes. Right. So it's, you know, a lot of guys and, and, and a lot of the guys who haven't are guys that we've always heard really good, uh, you know, good things about. I think about a guy like Greg Crippen in the middle on the offensive line, you know, as a guy that, you know, didn't play a ton this year, but as a guy they love, it could be a guy that walk in next year and play some good football for them. You know, just one example, but yeah, I think the biggest value of this is, well, yeah, I'll be on the recruiting trail and we'll be, obviously we'll be covering the heck out of that or whatever, but uh, really I think it's in the locker room. You know, you talk about the fans and you're right. I mean, you hope, you know, that the, you know, Michigan Stadium, always a great atmosphere, but maybe this could be the turning point as far as, uh, yeah, just that general consensus. I, you know, I don't know if like, – it'd be interesting to ask the players, uh, but, like, does having you – because know, I feel like, I feel like this, this team and maybe the last couple of years, you know, it's like they've been almost battling the fan base again versus having that fan base behind them. And what absolutely right hold and on what, real quick i there was a quote because i asked um aiden hudginson and andrew stuber after the game when they felt like this kind of turnaround was possible and aiden said 
I know everyone laughed at us outside of Shen Beckler Hall. Even I, I don't I don't want to misquote him, but but you know he basically said anyone not on this team was laughing at us. But we we felt like we had the talent. We felt like we had the the chemistry and the leadership to turn it around. And and I thought what was interesting about that quote is like, yeah, Michigan fans weren't even believing you. You know, no one was. I mean, I think you know, Steve, you were the as you claim, you were the most optimistic of anyone who covered Michigan in terms of their potential this season. And you said nine and three, and I don't think one of those nine wins in your mind was ever going to come against Ohio state. And so, yeah, they, they don't have to, they don't, it's not them against the fans. It's not them against the world anymore. I mean, they, they, they have, the fans can trust that they can really buy in on this team. Yeah. It was a weird way to, uh, crap on my nine and three prediction but i'm kidding i know i know um no that thought it would one of them would be ohio state um but no and that's what's like that's what's that's the dynamic i'm most interested because i agree with you i think that uh this it is like it's a turning point for the fan base for sure but i think the big like i said it's always it really almost and based on again as you talk about, you talk about what they said coming in the season, rightfully so we're on the board. We know the, we have the general pulse of everything. Um, the fan base can only do so much negative or positive. You know, it's really what goes on inside the program that matters the most. And I, I still, I think the biggest value out of a game like this really comes down to what these young guys will gain from, like I said, there's, there's something to be said about, experiencing something like this and and thinking okay what what can I do what do we have to do to to feel like this again because it's a really it's a great feeling you know I mean what Michigan experienced today after the game is something that no Michigan team you know take honestly I take 11 out of the equation uh this is something that a Michigan team hasn't experienced in almost 20 years right so I think, like I said, there's enough talent there now. I think this is something that within the locker room that can be built off of. And, and really, you know, Ohio State's always going to recruit top five, top six classes or whatever. Michigan can move, can get there, you know, but even if they're in like in a little bit like that eight to 10, 12 range, you know, I think there's enough talent there where they can continue to build, you know, and, and, and kind of, kind of, I don't know, uh, build off of this, but really, again, like I said, I think it starts with who they have in there right now. And for some reason I keep thinking of Greg Crippen. I don't know why, but I'm just thinking like guys that like that, that they think are there or can be there that will, will taste today and say, okay, what, what can we do to kind of build off of, you know, I always, I keep, I always actually, what I really go back to is I, I just all season keep going back to the Aiden Hutch, the ring me out the Aiden Hutchinson thing with the ring me out the off season workouts is like that kind of thing can reverberate throughout a program because now they win this game. These guys know firsthand what Aiden in particular, and probably Hassan Haskins, other guys too, what these guys did and, and, and how much work they put in for today you know, it's like, I think that that's where you can really build off of something like this because they really, you saw what the fruits of the labor, you know, really were. So, yeah, yeah I mean, that's, that's, that's what's, that's what's most interesting to me. 
Yeah, some some might call. Yeah, no, I mean, I think you're absolutely right that the the formula is there now. The recipe is there, and, and now moving forward, this season isn't over. We're not trying to diminish what's what's to come, but we also don't. We're talking about this game. I, I think I think the fact that it worked really validates the formula, validates the blueprint. You know, I with uh, Aiden Hutchinson. Now you got Braden McGregor, you know, who, who's constantly been com- compared to Aiden Hutchinson as a recruit. Uh, it doesn't doesn't hurt that they kind of look pretty similar, but um, you know, suddenly he's he's looking at what Aiden just did and saying, "Okay, cool, I got to try that." And and it's not just him. You know, there'll, there'll be lots of players that are trying to. I mean, think about Blake Corum. Think about Hassan Haskins. I think on the offensive line, I think quietly Andrew Stuber's had a maybe a first team all Big Ten caliber season. Actually, I, I'd have to double check, you know, my notes and my numbers, but um, but I think I think he probably has, and some, someone else is going to be at offensive tackle for him. And I think I think when Jim Harbaugh says you have to do this, players aren't going to pout. They're not going to transfer. They're not going to you know grumble. They're going to say okay. I mean, think about think about how many transfers Michigan has had. I don't think it's actually that many more than a another Power Five team, but it's way more than Ohio State, and it's way more than Alabama, and it's way more than you know Oklahoma. I guess Clemson's having some now, but you know, at those schools, there's so much belief that Mich- you know, that their that their team will be back in contention by the time. You know the the red shirt freshman who isn't a starter's name is called, and maybe maybe Michigan needs to win a few more games to get into that category. But I think at least for the, for one off season, there's going to be a lot of faith in the coaches and and kind of with the strength and conditioning staff. Think about Michigan basketball. I mean, John Sanderson's been at Michigan for a while, but but it wasn't. You know, you didn't start hearing me heard a little bit, but you didn't truly start hearing about his his magic of of Camp Sanderson and and how excited players were to stick around town, not train with their high school coaches, not hang out with their friends, but go to Camp Sanderson until he started producing NBA draft picks and until Michigan started hanging banners. So, yeah, I think that's the that's the long way of saying it improves Michigan's culture, but it, but it adds a lot of validity and a lot of credibility to it. One final thought, and I, and, and we'll do like a couple of quick true and false things at the end, but one final thought that I have, I don't know if you have anything to add to this, but I'm very curious about the precedent this is going to set for not just at Michigan, but also college football in general. I don't think Steve, you or I were certain Jim Harbaugh would be coaching Michigan in 2021. I think we felt like Michigan wasn't going to actually pull the trigger, but, but, you know, I posted a couple polls. The majority of fans, I think were, if, if they didn't want Jim Harbaugh gone, they were content with the fact that it was probably time after the two and four season last year and the nine and four relatively subpar season the year before. Michigan, at least publicly, never flinched. They didn't. They, I mean, Jim Harbaugh took a pretty big pay cut, and that's another precedent that's going to be interesting. Is 
I don't think we've ever seen a coach take a 50% pay cut to stay at his current job. But do other coaches start to think about this when they, when they really think that there's an opportunity on the table and when, when athletic directors really think that the, that the most recent season isn't indicative of kind of what, what that coach is capable of. And we saw it worked for Notre Dame too with Brian Kelly, but, but really you haven't seen too many situations where maybe the majority of fans were ready to move on and the athletic director did not. And it worked out this well, you, you really haven't seen that a ton. So I'm very curious about the precedent. I mean, credit to Ward Manuel. I think a lot of people were questioning the, the decision even as recently as October 30th after, after Michigan's loss to Michigan State. I don't think anyone's questioning it now. Steve, I think you and I are done writing or discussing Jim Harbaugh's seat temperature for a little bit, at least a year, right? It's, uh, yeah, I, guess, I guess, you know, the, the world can be cruel in college football, but, but at the same time, I think... I think a win over Ohio State has has alleviated those concerns. They now have two wins as underdogs this season. They have two ranked road wins. They have a top five win. Uh, A lot of those, Jim Harbaugh is Owen blank, uh, are now one in blank or or two in blank or whatever. So, um, yeah, monkey off the back a little bit, but also very – fascinated by by just how unique Michigan went about this I don't think I don't think every school would pull would do this and I don't know if Michigan would do this for every coach I think the fact that Jim Harbaugh was who he is and he has the history that he has at Michigan probably bought him this second chance and and to his credit he made the most of it I'm very curious to see if if Michigan reassesses his contract because clearly he did everything he said he felt like he was capable of doing and and he can do a little bit more next week i i should say um but steve any any thoughts on on Mich- on how michigan went about this how jim harbaugh went about this i thought thought it was a very introspective season or off season for harbaugh i mean he hired coaches that were kind of risky sharon moore mike mcdonald george hilo i mean the, ron bellamy those are all position groups that performed really, really well this season. And I think, you know, Harbaugh, he, he doesn't talk about the changes publicly, but I think he, he emphasized positivity, emphasized teaching, maybe more so than he had in, in previous seasons. Not every coach is going to embrace, I guess, the, the grind, the uphill battles that he had to face this offseason. Your, your thoughts on that and as, as well as Michigan's decision to to keep the faith with him you know the thing about last offseason was like I don't really feel like I never felt like there was a situation where Michigan was going to improve their coaching like you see what what's going on right now in the coaching landscape right yeah true like I I don't like (laughs) Michigan and their fan whatever like everyone should be thankful that they uh, stuck with Jim Harbaugh. Uh, I'd even say, I'll, I'll say it, even if they had lost today, uh, I think you got to be thankful oh, that definitely. You, you stayed the course here, right? It's, you know, you see you see where USC is going, you know, like Ellis, all these schools, like who knows who the hell these guys are going to hire. Uh, the, the, the pool, of, the talent pool just seems thinner than it ever has. 
you know, and the other thing is, I, I just, it, I don't know if, it, does it feel like Harbaugh performs better when the chips are, when we know, cause like hard, hard to disagree with you there. I mean, the, his right? best seasons have arguably been 2015 or best coaching jobs. I should say have arguably been 2015 and, and this year. And, and I think at Stanford, I think part of the magic was that he got to be a perpetual Always. underdog. San Always. Francisco with SC eventually, yeah. eventually they became a big power, but, but his first year at San Francisco, I think a big part of his success first two years was he was building up. He was restoring belief. He was, as you said, the, he was the, the chips were in against him. He was back, back against the wall, whichever metaphor or analogy you want to use. I, I do think that is an area where Harbaugh shines a little bit. And I think he thrives also and again, this is what we've talked like with his kind of people and not, he is never. And again, that's where it's always, that's where college, the pros is always interesting with recruiting and, you know, telling every recruit they're the greatest, you know, prospect in history, that type of crap when you're trying to get a guy to sign with you. Uh, you know, he's the kind of guy, it feels like he thrives when he has guys there are others in college football, you know, like you look at save it, like really the teams that are always at the top. It's like these schools are recruiting so many just elite talents every year that, you know, I've always looked at it like poker where it's like if it, more often than if you're holding a better hand than the guy across from you, you're not going to win a hundred percent of the time, but you're going to more often than not, you're going to win with Harbaugh. It feels like it's much more of a, his teams are better when he has his guys, you know, and again, that doesn't mean that Michigan shouldn't try to recruit at the highest level possible. That's not what I'm saying, but I just, it feels with, with the way he always, the way he's coached and what he looks for, it just always feels like, I think those are the types of teams. And that ironically enough, that doesn't really explain 15 that well necessarily because he's a first year coach uh, coming into a program that was, uh, not in shambles, but was not in a good spot. But, but as you look at 19, 18, you know, really, really talented squads, but looking at what they, what they did this year to overhaul everything felt like maybe it was, that was a situation where high amount of talent, but not his optimal situation as far as like everybody on the same page, everybody fighting towards one goal, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, we've heard as much behind the scenes or whatever. So you know, that, yeah, I mean, clear as day that Michigan, clear as day, uh, that Michigan is, is, was right to stay with the ship, which I think, I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe you disagree, Zach. I felt like it was, it was the easy move. I like, I don't think the money was ever like a thing in that situation either. That's the other thing. I, I Another area where I really like Harbaugh, the, like for, for all the criticisms, the a lot of them inaccurate nationally, I really have always felt like he's a guy, for better or worse, he is what he is. You know, the fact that he took, basically voluntarily took a pay cut to stay, like to basically, the way this played out, I feel like that was something he was really okay with. You know, I don't, I again, it not something that people are, or anybody's really, but what did we talk in the preseason? Was it like 36th or something? 36th or 37th highest for salary 
Yeah, it was somewhere. Remember, remember we talked, it was outside the yeah. top 25, which was comical because Michigan has been a top 10 program since he was hired. And again, the, the, the whole thing was what they did today. They hadn't beat Ohio State, but they did, you know, this is his what, fifth 10 win season, fourth 10 win season? Um, yeah, fourth one. Yeah. Right. Will we'll end up being his fourth top 15 finish as well. Yeah. And again, honestly, I honestly, personal thought, I, I Harbaugh will never say this. I, I think he was tired of hearing about how overpaid he was. You know, I think, sure. what, is, wasn't that like a Jay-Z lyric? And, and someone's going to roast me if I get this wrong. I'll know. Would you rather be overpaid or underrated? I, yeah. I swear that was, was that in there at all? Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and I think he's someone that would rather be underrated. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I agree. I don't think the money was ever like, I don't think, he doesn't view money the same way. And, and being an NFL star quarterback for much of his life helps, but um, still it's, it's an ego check, right? I mean, that's, that's something I don't think every coach would do. We know, we all know how college football coaches egos can be at times. And so um, it was, would you, rather be, would you, would you rather be underpaid or overrated just for clarity on that one? So, okay. So I was, I was almost oh, basically no, it's good enough. Hey, I'll, hey, I'll, I, I, I I use that in my life sometimes, not, not necessarily <laughs> in my job, but like, I'm like, Hey, would I rather? <laughs> okay. <laughs> it doesn't work, but I, you know, I, I would say I'm, I'm neither, but anyways, uh, yeah, it's a, I'm interested about the precedent with it. I mean, you know, there's a lot of programs that I, I think maybe regret firing a coach too soon. We don't need to name any in particular, but I think, I think sometimes the, the what's, happening on the field is working even if it doesn't show it but now you're seeing nebraska having a little bit of faith with scott frost um i'm i'm not convinced that michigan's success didn't play a tiny role in that now frost hasn't had the success that jim harbaugh has had but in terms of believing that a good team is in there and not just listening to the fans and the media and doing kind of what's going to appease everybody um Curious to see if more teams maybe hang on to a coach an extra year if they if they think that there's some untapped potential there. Didn't really happen much this year. I mean, Florida and LSU got rid of coaches who've had a lot of success. USC got rid of a coach who's had success in the past. But just something, something I'm going to think about. All right, finally, a few true-false questions. And I think I know what your answer is going to be for all of these. But um, true or false, Aiden Hutchinson, well, let's 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 expand it a little bit. Let's make it a little bit more interesting. Should Aiden Hutchinson be the Heisman Trophy favorite right now? Because I think everyone is kind of in agreement that he should be among that top five, or however many go to New York City. Uh, he's probably earned that right. Should he be the favorite right now? I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago and kind of dismissed it, but three sacks against Ohio State, helping quiet what C.J. Stroud was able to accomplish today. Favorite in your opinion? Would he get your vote? That's a tough one, man. Uh, didn't see what Kenneth Walker did today against Penn State. Didn't see what Bryce Young did against Auburn. Although I got not be, good. I, no, I'm not, dude. I'm not like just come on with the Bama quarterback stuff. I mean, five star to five star to five star. I mean, it's like it'd be so easy to be uh, an Alabama quarterback. Um, I don't know if I'd say he's the favorite. But he definitely, in my hey, how about this though? What about Hassan Haskins? Like, 
does he like, is he in the conversation? I mean, I'm, I wouldn't say I would never I would never uh, say Hassan I think it would be hard. I think it would be hard. I actually did look it up just because I was like, man, 18 touchdowns, 1250 yards. Not there. But not even no, close. there's no. there's like That's multiple fair. running backs with like 400 more rushing yards than him. Sure, and sure. And I, so, you know, that I actually do have a Haskins question in a moment. But um, by the way, Bryce Young, I was wrong. He uh, he turned out he, t- he turned in a OK performance today at, at the end. He was 25 for 51. So at one point wow. he was struggling. Jeez. 317 yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Mm. So when I started recording, he was not having a good game. But I, I, I think it was ten. To, it was ten to three. I think yeah. when we started recording, right? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think Aiden's in the. So like we talked about a few weeks ago, I think I mentioned uh, we talked about Aiden as a Heisman candidate, but I made it clear my thing is more that I think defensive guys should be getting more consideration. And it wasn't necessarily that Hutchinson should be that guy, but after today's performance, you know, with the three sacks and also uh, getting held about 14 times and it not being called, I think he should, again, got to see, maybe see what Will Anderson did today for, for, for Alabama against Auburn. But I think those two guys, especially, you know, should really get strong consideration to be invited. And I think, I hope we're, I hope we're entering the point where the best, really the true best defensive players in the country are are not just getting invited, but are getting a fair shake to win the award. Because I just, I think it's one of those archaic things that defensive guys cannot win that award. You know, I, I just, I think it's ridiculous. It should not be just like the best quarterback for the best team or the quarterback who threw the, had the most impressive stats. You know, I think you know, guys like Hutchinson, like I said, Will Anderson should get real consideration. So I don't think I'd say he's the favorite, but I think he should get an invite based off of today. That I would I would say that. I'd feel comfortable with that one. Yeah, I, I wonder if this year will be the year that kind of switches it. Was it was it Felix Hernandez of like a decade ago? Now I'm now I'm sounding old, who uh like yeah. had like a, a five hundred yes. record as a yes. pitcher. Yes. And, but then he like finally like broke through and won in kind of a we a down year for other pitchers with more wins. And that kind of opened the door to saying, oh, okay, you don't just need 20 wins to win the Cy Young. Like you can, it's, there, there are other ways to measure it. And I think one thing that will be very interesting is, is to see how Hutchinson, because Hutchinson, his raw numbers are, are solid. I don't, he doesn't lead the country in sacks. He doesn't lead the country in tackles or tackles for loss. Um, but his PFF like grading numbers does that start to seep in? Because I think his grading, because because PFF's gradings, and I'm sure there's other sites that do snap by snap grades. You know, they track pressures. They track, and I, I do think he will end up leading the country in pressures after today. Uh, but they track pressures. They track things like penalties drawn. You know, is there a way to more holistically evaluate defensive players? Because for a long time, that's what that's kind of what held teams back or defensive players back is if they, unless they had a bajillion interceptions or bajillion sacks, teams just weren't going to play near them. And so they weren't going to get as many tackles. Like it was just hard to, to stand out on the box score week in week out as a defensive player. And so is this a year that maybe, maybe voters, because it's, it's you and I don't have votes, but it's, it is media people in a lot of cases do they start to maybe embrace some of the advanced statistics on stuff? Do they start to maybe, I don't know, this sounds dumb, but like watch games, you know, watch, watch defensive performances a little bit more. 
Because I think one thing that might help Hutchinson is that uh, he was well known before the season, and he's and he and people were watching him all year, and they could see his snap by snap production, even if it didn't result in a sack or didn't result in a tackle. You know what what he was able to contribute. Kind of like a group of five team making the playoff, you almost need to go into the season a preseason top ten team to pull it off. I I don't I don't know if I would vote for him. I'd really have to think hard though. I I don't I wouldn't rule it out because I'm with you. I mean Bryce Young, he's got 3,600 passing yards this year, but I don't I don't know. I mean, how many yards would I throw again? <laughs> that's what, that's what I'm saying. It's, it's it is one of those things where it's like uh, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't, right? Because he's like. We well, don't want to punish him just because he because he's it's yeah, it's like yeah. well he's there because he's Alabama's quarterback, but you also don't want to punish him because he's Alabama's quarterback. I mean, he's a I mean he was a hell of a prospect coming out of high school and and really yep. has been awesome for them. But at the same time, like you said, you know how many yards? I could I could at least throw for half that. I'd think you know if I got a full season. Yeah, I don't know if I actually could, but like, <laughs> yeah, like put put um. Well, I don't know. Just take like a random mediocre quarterback. Like they are going to have a good season for Alabama. Right, right. And, and, and he deserves some credit because there are a couple teams who have first year starting quarterbacks that, that are on playoff regulars who also are five-star quarterbacks who did not have the kind of seasons that Young or Stroud had. I mean, it's, it's not a guarantee, but but I don't think that should be our mindset as as people who are thinking who should win the Heisman. I think it should be more who was the most impactful player this season. And if it wasn't on defense, because I, I do think quarterback normally is probably going to be a little bit more impactful. Uh, sometimes it'll be receiver. Sometimes it'll be running back. But at the same time, if it is on defense, I don't think there should be some stigma against it. Like, I, I don't think they sh- I don't think there should have to be like a comical stat line for someone to to make it to, to to New York and potentially win the Heisman Trophy. Okay, next true-false. There are two guys who I think are in legitimate contention, and maybe Minnesota running back or Braylon Allen. Maybe there's a couple more. Should Hassan Haskins be first-team all – they have two spots for first-team all Big Ten running backs. I think Kenneth Walker's got to have locked up one one of those spots. Haskins number two, is that is that that I feel like that might be a little too easy. True, false. Uh, yes, but what Henderson have nineteen touchdowns this year? <laughs> I think he broke Maurice Claret's record at Ohio State for most touchdowns as a true freshman. Um, yeah, I mean. Walker gets it just based on his, you know. I mean, obviously he did a lot of great things heading into, but just his, you know, his performance in the Michigan game, very comparable to what Haskins did today. Right. Um, Yeah, I guess so. I didn't even think about it like that, but yeah, he only had, he had 33 more yards and the same amount of touchdowns. Right. So same idea. I'm going to say yes for Haskins over Henderson only because sort of what we just got done talking about with Bama is that, you know, with how much talent he has surrounding him in Ohio, I think Haskins much more valuable to Michigan's success than 
Henderson, again, as like I say, I th- as a pro, as a pro, I think Henderson's the best out of any of them. Like, I think he's the one with the brightest future uh, going forward of any of them. But just, you know, and he did it again today. Like, even second and seven is so much more valuable than second and 11, right? You know, it's like he's just done it all year. But then he also had the big plays today to kind of go along with that. So, yeah. Oh, I don't want to say begrudgingly, but it's it's close. I mean, you're you're you you could be talking about three of the four or five best running backs in the country in that group. You know, you talk about Walker, Haskins, Henderson, yep. Yep, right? So it's like so whoever the Big Ten first team running backs are really could be the first team All American running backs. You know, it's almost what you're what we're really almost debating here. So, uh, but I would face off today because today matters. Henderson was shut down. Haskins wasn't in a big way. Uh, I will give the nod to Haskins. Not something I thought I'd be saying going into this game either. Uh, thought Haskins would have some success, but you know Henderson's had a, a huge statistical season for them. Uh, but but what Haskins did today can't be ignored. Again, like a, this is a Bianca Batuka like performance for him. So yeah, I I agree. I think I think I'd vote him first team All Big Ten. I think I'd I think I'd vote Walker. Big Ten running back of the year, just just because. I mean, Haskins. There have been games where he wasn't like this, but but the second half of the season, and, and since Corum went down, I know he came back today, but since he went down, I think, um, man, he's been incredible, and and in ways that the box score doesn't even encapsulate. Although I do think he is gonna he d- does finish the regular season with more rushing yards. And I believe more rushing touchdowns than Henderson. So I guess it wouldn't be like that, this incomprehensible argument. So I think I would vote him first team all Big Ten. I didn't have another true false, actually. No, it's I, right. I it's, I, it's, can I say it's really almost like we'll just give it to Haskins this year because Henderson will 100% be that guy next true. year. True. That's <laughs> true. That's true. If you, you know, like I feel like they play that game sometimes. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I mean, is this the magnitude of this game can basically uh, magnify how you perform in it. And, and it matters more to do it today than, than it does against, uh, you know, it's like they talked about Henderson's best game of the year was against Tulsa. Right. Yeah. Again, very effective. Like he's a beast, very effective in other games, but uh, Haskins did today what Henderson did against Tulsa. So I think there's a, there's huge value in something like that when they come when it comes to this type of stuff. Yep, yep, and and I guess the the summation of that is that what you do against Ohio State and what Ohio State players do against Michigan, whether it's fair or not, that's how you're going to be remembered by these by these teams. And and so Haskins, Hutchinson, you know, you mentioned some some other guys who stepped up and made made pretty big plays, but but I think those two especially. Uh, all-time great performances by both of them. I'd be, I'd be curious where this season's going to end up ranking, you know, because there's still a couple games where I mean, Haskins has a chance for 1,500 yards, chance for 20 touchdowns. I mean, those are those are incredible seasons. Uh, so, you know, and Hutchinson, we'll see we'll see what he has in store as well. For Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24/7 Podcast. You are not done with these 
with these preview recap episodes yet. They are going to play next week against Iowa, 8 p.m. at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. So we'll have a preview episode uh, later on this week. Stay tuned for that. Lots of coverage to come from Ann Arbor today and in advance of Michigan's trip to Indianapolis next week. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.